Hey everyone, it's Claire Riley. Welcome to the Isolation Opportunity mini-series as part of the podcast for The Recovering Perfectionist. Um, I'm really inspired to bring um, a heap of women, I think we've got about eight uh, episodes booked in already um, during this time where I'm talking to people who are parenting coaches or um, uh, business coaches and child psychologists and interior decorators and all of this sort of thing. Um, who are coming together to talk to us about how we can use this time while we're in isolation as a beautiful time of opportunity um, to connect with things like our creativity and our children and our families um, and make our beautiful home spaces that we're spending a lot more time in, places that we love to be. So um, today's episode is with the beautiful Jodie Thornton, who is a parenting coach. I've personally worked with her for a couple of years on and off and she has made the biggest difference to how I relate to and talk to and um, help my children and understand what's going on for them and that sort of thing. So she's actually talking to us today about what the connection opportunity is with our kids. And it's we've just recorded this, um, this um, episode and I'm blown away because what we ended up talking about was something completely different to the um, conversation that I thought we were going to have. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and if there's anything that is particularly um, intriguing or interesting or hard at the moment, um, please let me know. And if I can find someone to have a conversation about how best to use this as a great opportunity, I will definitely try and do so. Enjoy and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. So welcome everyone to the Isolation Opportunity Series on The Recovering Perfectionist, which is also live. Welcome Jodie, it's so good to see you. Hello Claire, <laughs> so good to be here. It feels like a lifetime since I've actually spoken to you, but we bump into each other on the interwebs every day. So I feel like it hasn't been that long, but it's been a long time since I've actually spoken to you. So it's awesome to have a chat with you. So before we started recording, I was just saying um, that we're going to have a chat about how we can use this time in isolation or whatever to as a bit of a, um, an opportunity to connect with our kids, understand a bit about what's going on with them, um, with everything that's going on and all the change that they're potentially experiencing as well. So you are the absolute join of this stuff. So tell us about you and where you're sitting and what are you experiencing? I'm sure you've got millions of parents reaching out to you at the moment being like, help. help yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I think there's is such an interesting time. Like, as you say, there's so much opportunity and then there's also quite a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, you know, I have people that I have known for a really long time who have really accepted like at least intellectually, the idea that, you know, it's okay for everybody to do that own style of parenting and what works for their kids, you know, is okay for them. Yeah. Um, even people like that are saying to me, oh, I'm seeing everybody else's posts about how many activities they're doing and <laughs> my kids seem fine, but I feel like I'm not doing enough or, you know, like, yeah. so there's all sorts of experiences at the moment. And I, you know, I think it's that, that piece of like everybody's home um, had its own rhythm in terms of what we used to do mm. and so then the shock of we don't have any of that anymore mm. kind of lands differently for a lot of households yeah yeah and so in terms of we look at just quickly like what's going on with the kids how do you think they're kind of coping and assimilating with the information that they're either being told explicitly or that they're hearing through friends and just in that sort of you know at the shops and they hear people talking about it and they've obviously noticed a lot of changes and potentially not going to school and all that sort of thing 
Yeah, and I think there's like the imp- the fear around the virus itself is just one of the pieces. Yeah, and you see like um, for older kids, hearing things like you know, I had one person say to me that their um, you know late primary age child had been told you know that um, you better watch out because your grandparents will um, end up coughing to death. You oh know, and so it's really can be quite traumatic some of the things that they can be hearing yeah. if they have contact with kids like either unsupervised or even for kids that have just been having a lot of the news around them. And so I think it can be quite traumatic, a lot of the fear going around because it's that, you know, we don't, we don't ever want to lie to kids, Mm. but there is this piece that's really quite abstract to understand that the, you know, because we're doing all of these things, the likelihood of anyone we know being impacted, you know, is low. And it's that piece of rather than focusing on, you know, what might happen in the worst of circumstances, instead focusing on we're doing this to avoid those circumstances, you know. And so I think that um, it's really important to notice if your child is old enough to have contact with their friends without you listening or being present, so whether that's in person or if it's allowed in your area um, or or online, is to just be aware of... um, making sure that they feel comfortable to tell you what they might be worried about. Yeah. Because that's a piece where we don't want to be going, so has anyone been telling you anything scary? But at the same time, we do want them to tell you. So yeah. opening up the questions also, and how's, you know, how's Elsa going? And is, has she, like, you know, basically saying, like, if they say, well, she told me that this is happening and then sure. you've got the chance to have that conversation. Yeah. I think for much younger kids who don't have that potential exposure to the fear around what's going on, it's kind of a lot of people have, in relation to the virus, gotten used to the new normal. Like mm. we're just not allowed, you know, we are allowed to photobomb in podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> but we're just not allowed to go and see our friends. And we're up. so it's like the fear part isn't as um, present but it's more so those impacts of like, I used to be able to get my extroversion out at daycare. Yeah. Now I've got three people in my home and none of them wants to play Barbies as long as I do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you see yeah. that, like the meme that's going around, I quite like it as this guy said, you know, my child just had a 40 minute meltdown and it was awful. And then he stopped and said quietly, I miss my friends and I miss my school. Mm. And it's that piece of like, that's the, helping them get in underneath those emotions. Really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it has been a, a bit of a challenge because we're also different in how much, and other kids have, we know our kids much better than anyone else, obviously. So you know kind of what level to aim the information, how much information and when and all that sort of thing. But they're exposed to lots of things. And I mean, we've, you know, even in our, um, in our little complex that there's other conversations that they can hear either on the news or just conversations with people and that sort of thing. And it's often a little bit more than I probably would have gone into, but then that's fine. Like we still deal with it. It's, it's going to happen. And, you know, I think it's, it's not a bad thing to happen anyway. Mm. But one thing that I realized um, probably last week was that I hadn't really shared the the outcomes of what they've been doing. So, and I heard um, that, you know, all of our numbers are looking really good in Australia and that sort of thing. So I actually said, um, I said to them, like, have, I think there's a little, um, I don't know, a little two minute video or something on Facebook. And I said, come and have a look at this. And it was saying how now like our numbers were down and people weren't getting as sick and not as many people were getting sick, not many people are dying, blah, blah, blah. And actually sharing with them that, 
success, like because we've all done a really good job of staying inside, you know how we've been bored out of our brains and we've been going a bit crazy and we can't go blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? We've actually saved people's lives and actually kind of getting them in on the good news of it as well. So they feel like, okay, we've, you know, it's been hard, but it was worth it sort of thing. So mm. I realized I'd sort of forgotten that piece. Like so I knew for a couple of weeks that, you know, it was working and numbers were really good, but I forgot to share that success with them and make them part of like, they were part of that solution really by keeping our shit together mostly. Yeah. Um, and that was really nice. And they were really, really proud of that. So that was a really cool kind of moment for me just to like bring them along, not just to tell them all the doom and gloom stuff, but also, you know, tell them about the success that that it's having and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it shows like our culture um, trains us to focus on talking about what we should and shouldn't do. Mm. Our culture doesn't train us to look at what are the consequences of my actions? Mm. How do I assess what is my decision about what I want to do? And then like what is going to happen as a result of that? Mm. And you see like in this example where we've actually done a really good job in Australia and New Zealand as well, we've all done a really, really good job. And, you know, part of it is of course for the first couple of weeks, we weren't sure if it was going to work and we were all kind of a bit stunned and, you know, shocked and, what you know what's going to happen and worry but then the second part is that we just don't have like many conversations in our culture as adults or with kids about how you know we thought we this might happen so then we chose to do this and then that happened and what was the result are we comfortable with that what would we do if we had a chance again you know we just don't have a lot of those conversations it's always about what you should and shouldn't do what people should or shouldn't have done yeah, so interesting, isn't it? And I think you said it exactly. Like I remember probably four or five or six weeks ago just going, it feels like we're all in this flux. Like no one really knows what's happening. There's so much change going on and we don't really even know what the full extent of that change is going to look like. But now we're kind of on the other side of that. And like you said, it's kind of gone, it's kind of become this new normal and that's just how things are at the moment. Mm. Um, and I wonder what's going to change with like when it goes back to actual normal, like how it was before. And that's a real, like that's causing me even a little bit of like anxiety because there's this kind of thing like, well, I've actually gotten really used to and really like liking spending more time with the kids and less time on my business and sitting down and like doing creative stuff right where I would normally be on my computer or something like that. So, um, hello. Can get a marshmallow, please? <laughs> yes. Um, and this sort of thing where I usually have five or six hours a day completely uninterrupted and now we've got little people running around and it's actually really nice and I'm kind of like I don't want it to go back to completely normal yeah Um, but if we come back to that in a second because I really want to ask you about your ideas of when we do transition back to the normal way of doing things because that's going to be another upheaval and change But right now, what do you see, like, especially for people who are working more from home and they're spending more time with their kids and, you know, if we take take away, like, the the pressure and stuff of having to do schoolwork and work work and get some fresh air and not watch too much screen time and not bake every day and eat all the baking and all of that sort of thing, all that sort of crap, right? What do you see if we could ideally wave a magic wand? What's the opportunity for parents and their kids right now? The big, big, big one is if we can learn how to stop taking turns getting what we need. So what we tend to have, and you said, you know, you normally get five or six hours uninterrupted to work, right? What we tend to do is construct our lives to make sure that there are windows of time where somebody is getting what they need. The kids are getting what they need or I'm getting what I need. And we tend to say, okay, so if I need to work, I'm going to need to be uninterrupted. And if I send the kids to school or daycare, they're getting what they need educationally. But actually creating 
you know, a rhythm, a routine, a way of life where you're able to get what you need at the same time as your kids is such a change from what our culture tells us. So our culture will tell you the kids are home, prioritise them. Just be calm. Make sure you're looking after their needs. Make sure you have fun. Take the opportunity. Like there's all this stuff, which is not necessarily bad, but except for the fact that if it's 14 hours a day, and you're just spending the whole time going, just hanging on until they go to sleep. I'm just hanging on until they go to sleep. I'm just hanging on until they... like and enjoying parts of it, but also just feeling like you're not getting what you need. That's just not, um, it's just not sustainable. And nor is it fun. Like there's an undercurrent there, which our kids learn that in order to be loved, someone has to sacrifice. And that's where we want to, like the opportunity now is to go, well, how can we both get what we want? How can I run my business and you know, spend quality time with the kids? How can I get the self-care that I used to do when they were not with me? How can I get that whilst having to have them around 24-7? That's the kind of, that's the big opportunity. That's a big shift. So small bites, small bites. (laughs) So how do you do that? (laughs) I know this is a $50 million question. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do that. How do I start? Like, what what does that look like on a practical hour by hour basis ideally so, yeah so the first thing i'd start with is the idea that you can because that in and of itself is huge like the usually what we'll do is if i just get the kids set up with the lego then they'll be able to do that and i'll be able to do the dishes and then maybe i'll be able to read a book or something you know depending on what happens if we start with the idea that like maybe how do we make it so that everybody can be happy and say those words out loud, like the number of times at the moment. So my little ones, I have two big ones and two little ones. My little ones are six and four. And we're learning a lot about <laughs> negotiation and conflict resolution. <laughs> right. And so when I have the time, I go into my full, you know, supporting them to understand each other. And When I don't have the time, I just say out loud, how can you make it so you're both happy? and sometimes it comes out like this how can you make it so you're both happy (laughs) but like you know it doesn't always have to be this the right loving nurturing tone but just having that how can we make it so everybody gets what they need then they can help be part of that conversation as well like the problem solving rather than just being told this is how we do it now you're going to take turns or you need to read your book so that I can read my book or you know all those kind of things it's like how can we make it so that everybody works that's the biggest thing is that shift the second thing I'd say is start asking, why is that important to you? So when you say, when they're upset about, you know, I, I need a longer turn on the TV or I need, um, I, I need the triangles versus the squares or the pink cups or the whatevers, when you start saying, why is that important to you in any way, it doesn't have to be those words, but just tell me more about why is it that that's really, um, that's the only cup you can use? Why is it? What we get is that they start turning their attention to what is actually important to me. Well, I need the pink cup because my brother always gets what he wants the first time, right? Whatever. Whatever the real issue is, (laughs) they start to think because they're not, until they've been practicing this, they've been not thinking about what's the real issue. So then they can't say it and then you can't solve it and then you end up round and round and round. Yeah. And same goes for us. It's a little bit different. We need to be saying to ourselves, why is that important to me? Because the difference for us is not so much that we're not practiced. Our culture teaches us that we're not supposed to get what we need until they got what they need. Yes, right. So if we're not asking ourselves, what is it that I want? 
then we're not going to get anywhere because, you know, they're getting what they want, but then it doesn't work for us. And I suppose I should just wait and see if I get a chance. Maybe 2025 will be my year. (laughs) (laughs) So just asking those questions will just change the tone. And like that also, you can see how that change of like, why is that important to you? Or what is it that you need? It's not like a blank check to say we're going to be able to get it. It's just we're going to acknowledge that that's what we really want. Yeah, open the conversation that way. It's really interesting, Jodie, to say, like, what's the opportunity? I was expecting something like, oh, you can connect with your kids more. And actually what you're saying is so much more helpful in the long term because it, it means that there's an opportunity to work out a better way to cohabitate in your general life, right? Like it doesn't have to be just for the next five weeks or however long this situation carries on. It's actually a really, it's like a total mindset change to go, we can actually all get what we need at the same time. We've got to be smart about it. We have to communicate about it and all of that sort of thing. But that's actually like the the opportunity, therefore, is way bigger than just having a nice five weeks. Yeah. And it, like, it even makes it easier to have a nice five weeks. Yeah. Right. Because when, if you think about our kids, if you think about that that child in the meme who had the 40 minute meltdown and then I just miss school and I just miss my friends, right? the more we ask the questions when they can say, I just wish I could go to school today, mum, and have that conversation. That conversation might take 40 minutes if there's some big feelings, right? Or the conversation might take three minutes Mm -hmm. and then you can say, well, what could we do? Do you want to Skype grandma? Do you want to place with your your brother? Or do you, maybe, if I can get my work done for 30 minutes, then we could do something together. I know it's not your friends, but we could play your favourite game. Even though, you know, your friends aren't there. It'll just be mum, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then you're, yeah. like, you're basically addressing the real issue rather than trying to, like, and now it's time for quality time and we're going to play yeah. really nicely and we're not <laughs> going to fight because this is the hour I have. Yeah, sure. <laughs> God, you know? so true. And it's, <laughs> Oh, my gosh, I can just hear my stock taking the last five weeks. Like, yep, yep, okay, need to uh, look at those <laughs> things. It's so true. We've had the same sort of thing and, and often it's at bedtime and I'm like, I just need you to go to sleep. But that's when the big feelings come up and the big conversations and the tears and all that sort of thing. And you're like, what's wrong? You're so tired. Just go to sleep. And then the same thing. I just miss my friends. And we've obviously just moved three months ago up here mm. as well. So it's like Double now it's like, I don't even miss my school friends. There's a fair bit of that. But it's I miss my old friends and like the old way of life. And why did we have to move up here? Because we moved and then this happened. And I think in their heads, it's a bit of a like, and then that's what happened rather than like, if we were still back in Brisbane, this wouldn't have happened. I'd still have all like, you know, I mean, they're five and seven as well. So their concept of all the things is, you know, what it is as well, but it's definitely been a, like, yeah, a bit of a thing just going, I just need to go downstairs and have some me time, but Mm -hmm. we're going to have this conversation about feelings about bedtime. So Yes, the lesson for me right now is to do a bit more of that during the day and maybe fill those cups and have those conversations earlier so that they don't also (laughs) bubble up. Yeah, and creative play is an easy way to do that. So, like, when you think about, you know, let's have those conversations earlier in the day, it can sometimes (laughs) feel like, right, move it from that part of the to-do list. Yeah, (laughs) and move it from the end of the day to the to-do list of the beginning of the day and we'll just knock that off. (laughs) You know, it just, it can feel a bit more like just more pressure, right? But um, creative play, and I know um, 
when I suggest to people, like, let's do creative people who are like, I do not want to play Barbies or Transformers, like, not even one time. Um, <laughs> but when creative play has a purpose, it's a lot easier. Okay. So when we do the creative play with kids, and you can do this pretty until they're pretty, um, like, old, old, much older, but the younger, the more powerful an option it is. But it's like saying, like, you know, and, you know, when your kids are saying, and then there's a virus and we have to go and get the virus, right? setting up a scene where your job is just to notice like what comes up for them mm. and hold space for them where you know barbie might come in and barbie might say oh claire i just miss my friends so much and like that's your prompt and then see what they come up with right that both does two things one is it helps them to just process stuff and then the second, so they're kind of just playing that out. The second thing it does, it gives you insight and maybe they'll actually want to talk right then and there. So like we're creating that space where rather than waiting until bedtime and I lie down and when it's quiet, oh, I miss my friends. When you bring it up, when you're less tired and you're in a play environment, it can kind of make it easier just to Yeah, talk. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um our kids incidentally have also been to counseling and had hypnotherapy and that sort of thing. And one of the um, things that she did with them a lot was the sand play. Mm -hmm. So they're quite familiar with that. And my seven year old in particular has been asking, can I go and see her? I really want to talk to her. Like he's been asking for that. So yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't even thought about like trying to set up some sort of situation like to simulate that myself at home to help him through that. So and if play's not your thing, like I think for most people, the creative player, I think for most people, creative players like, uh, but once you have that purpose about it, yeah, sure, people, it's easier. But then the second um, thing to say is that if play is just still, I just, I don't want to, I can't, try drawing. Yeah. Like if you sit down, same deal, if you sit down and go, okay, let's do some um, drawing or painting together and you might say today I really miss my old routine where mm. I would, you know, I, we would have a, um, a great morning. I'd do my business and then I'd come and pick you up and we'd have cuddles and, and you know, sometimes we'd have a bit of a, you know, chip or something in the afternoon, but you know, then we make up, I did it, you know, blah, blah, blah. you tell the story and then yeah. you say, and I want to make my picture look like the feelings I have. Mm. And it might be the feelings I have, about missing it or it might be the feelings I have about getting it back mm -hmm. but when you say that then that gives them the space so rather than saying you, know, you should too it's like that's an idea they might choose it they might not and then yeah. just the more of those conversations are happening the more we bring that earlier in the day when you're not as tired mm -hmm. and they're not as tired oh you're a genius Jody. <laughs> I knew we'd have a good conversation about this so yeah so so helpful so Tell me, before we wrap up, tell us um, when this all kind of finishes and kids are potentially going back to school, either full time or a couple days a week. And there's like, there's so many more transitions and change periods coming than what we've even already had, I think. And potentially mm. with school changing and all the different dynamics and all the different stuff of having so many kids who've been away for so long, all coming back together and and then us also feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got my like life back and I've got my time back. And now I don't know if I want to do that. that that's going to be so um, um, disruptive again. What's, is there anything we can do better or uh, be more conscious of now to prepare for that or anything, like anything you can kind of offer with that sort of thing? Yeah, so the two strategies I say, and I just want to say as well about everything I've said now and what I'm about to say, is that 
if it's the right strategy for you, it will feel like a relief. Yeah. It will feel like, like the idea of doing it will feel like, yes, that's something that might work for me. And um, when you're doing it, it will make life easier. Yes. If it's making life harder, it's either it's not the right strategy or we're missing something in execution. Don't punish yourself. Yeah. So if anything you hear from anyone, not just me, it makes your life harder, just that, give yourself full permission. But I'm not doing that. I'm just yeah. not doing it. <laughs> But the two things that I'd say with transitions is always saying to yourself and out loud, why are we doing this? Mm. So I've decided that, yes, we are going to go back to school two days a week because why? Like, why are you doing it? And if you don't know why, chat about that with an adult, but just processing, I'm choosing to do this or not. And so maybe school will go back and maybe you personally will think, that's too soon for me. I'm not confident that yep. it's safe yep. or vice versa, like right, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, if you're really clear on, I'm doing it because like I will worry and it's like, I, I just am not sure that it's the right call for me. So I'm just waiting. And then yep. you're saying that to the kids. Yes. I know your best friends are back at school. I'm actually just too worried. I just, I'm not sure that it's, um, we're ready to go back and how much detail you give depends on the age. But you're just saying, rather than trying to pretend like there's some reason that's not, you know, that's not true or not real, just saying, look, you know, I'm not sure about it. Or if you're, you know, we used to do um, weekend sports and now um, there's no weekend sports, but they could do something else, but you're choosing not to because it's too expensive. It's like, yeah, actually, I, I'm just not really sure that you're going to enjoy it and it's quite expensive. Yeah. Like yeah. just owning that. Yeah. And then the second part to that strategy is that because we're in like perpetual experimentation mode, you have to be okay with things not working. Yeah. When they don't work, you don't get a fail for things not working. You, you get a, like a learning. It's like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, now I know that actually that's not a good idea for us. Or now I know for next time I'll see that that's the pattern that we work through or whatever that is. Mm. You know, it's really just accepting that if something doesn't work and you just honour the fact that that sucked. Yeah. Like it sucks we don't know when you're going to go back to school. It sucks yep. that I can't take you to your grandparents, even though the news said that it's actually okay. We've decided no because it just sucks, doesn't yep. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's that cultural piece of we're taught if you um if you can't have something you should teach yourself not to want it yes instead we want to say i deeply want that i haven't found a way to get it yet yeah 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 it's such a um i think it's especially for this audience the recovering perfectionist that there's Mm -hmm. this fear of failure especially with things like parenting it's so close to the heart and there's so many different versions and so many influences and it is so hard sometimes to be resilient to everyone else's opinions and not just doing what everyone else is doing because you think you're going to be you know vilified if you don't and that sort of thing but also standing up and holding that sort of space for your kids and and letting them also see the vulnerability um and that sort of thing and you and i've talked about the apologizing and the like fixing it not not fixing it but when you've had one of those days and just saying sorry i was i was out of line and and actually um owning that and i've something to the the kids where I'm in the car yesterday and I apologized for because I'd forgotten something forgotten to do something which I said I was going to and both the kids were sitting in the back seat going that's okay we that, that, that's all right you're really supportive and that's okay when you you don't need to say sorry to us and I was like well you know we had this conversation about apologizing 
And I was like, well, she said, oh, you don't need to say sorry because we'll forgive you always. And I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. But also I like, you know, we had a conversation about why we apologize and that that shows that you care and, you know, that you intend not to do that again or all those sorts of things. But it was a really interesting conversation that I guess reflected to me that we've done that enough that, that there's that culture of apologizing and, and holding that like, oh, I stuffed up. Sorry about that. Let's try and find a different way. And so I see them doing it a bit more these days as well and not beating themselves up so much about having to get it right or, you know, all that sort of thing. So thanks for that one, Jodie. You're so <laughs> welcome. You worked on those ones. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Any last minute things that you, if there's like a couple of key takeaways that you'd like mums especially to, to hear from this conversation to be able to take away from right now until whenever what are the what are the kind of key takeaways i think i'd like everybody to have a sign hanging up in their lounge room that says you are allowed (laughs) you are allowed to decide that focusing on the homeschool work is what you need to do to get through you're allowed to decide that not picking up a single book is the thing that's right yep. for your family you're allowed to use screens you're allowed to not I, I hand on heart i promise there will be blogs and webinars about transitioning off of screens at the end of this you will not be stuck with whatever <laughs> you decide to do to get through yeah. that will be my main thing is like you are allowed and today doesn't need to look like tomorrow you're not stuck you can change again we get so much of the parenting advice is make sure you're consistent make sure it's um make sure you do the same thing as your partner or your ex make sure the days have a rhythm and routine it's just not realistic especially not now um and the last thing is just that there's this piece going around at the moment that says that kids need you to be calm and there's a brilliant mr rogers quote which i cannot Uh, recall word for word but I'll just give you the gist of it is that kids don't need a false sense of calm and a constant smile from adults what they need is to know that whatever happens we can deal with it together yeah Yeah. you don't have to be calm or happy or okay with the impact on your life in Mm. order for your kids to be supported yeah it's just we're in this together and we're gonna we're gonna decide whatever we can and we're gonna get through it and that includes like don't just give yourself permission while it's locked down. Like give yourself permission through the endless transitions because, as you say, there's going to mm. be quite a lot of transition. It's not just going to be one transition back mm. to normal. Mm. Permission, permission, permission. Mm-hmm. I'm a big yep. fan of giving ourselves permission, especially all the perfectionists who feel like they've got to be Instagram ready even right now. Like stop that. <laughs> exactly. Do you know how you, you get Instagram ready real quick? Go on. You open the Instagram app. Oh my god! Is that all you have to do? Really? Yeah. Don't you yeah. Have a shiny life and nice makeup. We like you as you are. <laughs> we like everyone as they are. It's better exactly without right. all the stuff. The raw That's, stuff is hilarious, yeah. or, right? Oh, you know. Yeah, or, you know, when you're feeling like you want the makeup, you want the makeup. And when you're feeling not, you're not. And that's, we just want to be with real more and more. I think we just want to be with real. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, gorgeous Jodie Thornton. I always enjoy our chats. You have been absolutely instrumental in so many ways of my parenting life, especially in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. Um, anyone who's watching live, I can't see your comments for some reason at the moment. I was just trying to fiddle around with it before, but I can't find it. So if you've been watching and you have questions for Jodie or for me, please just tag us. 
Um, and if you're watching the replay, um, hit hashtag, um, just do a hashtag replay and ask any questions. Um, and if you're listening on the podcast and you want more information, all of Jodie's details will be completely stalkable on the show notes. Um, but Jodie, is there an easy way for anyone who's just listening and driving in the car or anything that they can contact you? Is your website or Facebook page better? Yeah, the Facebook page would be great. So it's um, facebook.com forward slash Jodie Thornton Parent Coach. Awesome, because that's what she is. Great, great. <laughs> oh, it's been so awesome chatting with you, Jodie. Thank you so much. And um, I know I want to wish you best wishes for the rest of whatever goes on, but you got this. We got this. Thank oh, you good. as well. <laughs> right. Permission to you for all of the things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Permission. Word, permission. <laughs> all right. Thanks, lovely. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I'm Claire Riley. It's been an absolute pleasure presenting this show for you. If you would like to stay connected, I do run a beautiful online Facebook group community called The Recovering Perfectionists. Um, pretty easy to find us. We're a group of several thousand over on Facebook, so come and have a look. Um, and if you've got any suggestions about the show, if you love it, I would love you to head over to the uh, iTunes podcast tab and give us a rating and review and as always I'd love to hear your suggestions about anyone who you think we should have on the show or any topics that you'd love us to cover. I hope you're really great and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.